It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Keith Abraham. Keith, welcome to the show. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero. Uh, thank you, buddy. It's very, very kind of you to have me on your show, and I've heard nothing but great things about it, so I'm honoured to be part of it. Well, I mean, that's a big compliment. I'm glad you did your digging, uh, I think. And uh, I suppose uh, if it had come out the other way, you probably wouldn't be on the podcast, I suppose. Exactly, mate. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, when do you want it? No, I'm busy that day. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Keith, I, uh, I've been delving deep into everything that you've been doing for a very, very long time. And for people that don't know, Keith Abraham is an extraordinary individual who has spoken in excess, probably high now, to more than 1.6 million people, the author of five best-selling books. He has a wife, Christine, and two beautiful daughters. Am I missing anything? No, no. no. And just the dog barking in the background that's agreeing to dog. everything you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Must be a Maltese Tzu, is it? Uh, no, uh, no, a Labradoodle. And he can hear your voice and go, there must be something going on in that office. I must be involved because he's a a real people person. Well, you can't spell Laban without Labradoodle. (laughs) There you go. Not to be confused with the Oomadoodle bird, uh, which gets its name from when it lands, it's got no legs, and it goes, Oomadoodle, (laughs) Oomadoodle. Very funny, mate. Very funny. Dad joke, but very funny. I'm not even a dad yet. Furiously trying, (laughs) but not even a dad. Keith. I want to. I want you to explain for our audience yep. what hold your resolve means, please. Yeah, you know. Um, so I think one of my great um, strengths, uh, you know, if I look back over my twenty-five years as a professional speaker, um, it's tenacity. And you know, I don't think I'm that talented. I don't think I'm that brilliant. I, I'm, I'm not. Le- I'm not the guy or person who climbed Everest without oxygen. I'm not that person. I haven't won a gold medal. Uh, but, but I've been tenacious. And I think for some people, you just need to hold your resolve just for five minutes longer. And, and in that uncomfortableness, the inconvenience and, and that time of uncertainty, if you can hold your resolve, so often an opportunity will appear. So often you'll push through that uncomfortableness. And, and on the other side of that is... Um, achievement, accomplishment, um, success even. Um, and for too many people, they get a little um, stuck on, oh, this is this is getting a little hard. And, and the one thing I say to people is uh, you just, you have to fall in love with difficult sometimes and you have to lean into the uncomfortableness. So 
holding your resolve is just being brave for five minutes longer. You don't have to be brave all day. You just have to be brave for five minutes longer. It's. I love that, and 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 it was a loaded question because I knew I knew what you were going to say because of some of this amazing content that you've you've got out for free, you know, across YouTube and a bunch of other platforms and through LinkedIn, which we can go into a bit later on. Yeah, but I, I would love to know that there's nothing that I've been able to to dig up, for lack of a better word, on how and on God's green earth you ended up becoming this extraordinary speaker. So there, there, there must be some story of rock bottom that I'd love to hear if you're happy to share yeah. with the audience. Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, so 25 years ago, this year it will be 25 years of professional speaking. Um, 26 years ago, well, no, let's even roll it back. 35 years ago, I got a chance to go along to a, a Rotary um, leadership program. And I saw this guy talking about goal setting. Never heard of it before. I was 24 and a half years of age, you know, uh, never heard of it before. And uh, I thought, wow, so you write stuff down, it comes true. You know, I mean, this sounds good. And um, and then I, I got involved then, went back the following year as a leader. And now you got to understand I, you know, wasn't into public speaking or leadership. I was a noxious weed inspector that slept a couple of hours every day as a council, you know, inspector <laughs> on the Gold Coast. So I was an Elmer Fudd. I was a complete dud. So for everybody listening, this podcast is about giving you hope. <laughs> if, if a clown like me can do it, geez, what can you do if you've got talent? And um, so, so you know, there was this opportunity to, they said, well, we, we'd like someone to talk about gold city. Would you like to? I've said, but yeah, I could do that. Uh, you know, um, you know, I, I, yeah, I could do that. And um, I fell in love with that oppor- the opportunity to make a difference in people's lives. And so, out of that, I just thought that this vehicle of standing up and presenting was this opportunity. Now that you know, so twenty five years later, or twenty six years, you know, sorry, ago, um, you know, before that, so I, I went on. You know, ran a couple of big, you know, businesses, you know, and uh, got an opportunity to be a trainer inside Suncorp, and I, I did that. I ran a leadership program for young leaders coming through that Suncorp sponsored, and um, I got this opportunity to, um, you, you know, to to practice what I loved. And then um, a mate of mine said, "We'd like you to come and um, speak for our sales team at Conrad Jupiter's." And I said, yeah, sure, no worries, buddy, happy to do it. He said, we want to pay you. And I said, oh, you don't have to do that, you know. And he said, no, 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 we, we can't use you unless we can pay. And I said, oh, okay. So we had some consultants in at Suncorp at the time and and um, I knew how much they were charging. I thought, well, I'm half as good as them. So so that's what I sort of <laughs> that's what I wrote down as the amount. And it's never happened to me. It's never happened to me ever again. But he said, well, look, we love your proposal. He said, but you've got to come and uh, my, my boss wants to talk to you about it. And so 90 minutes later, this guy went line by line through this proposal. It took me like about eight hours to, to create. I, you know, do, I was just working on a proposal before we jumped online. You know, I built a proposal now in about five minutes. So anyway, we, uh, they said, look, we're, we, we like what you're going to do. Um, you know, uh, but it's not coming out of my boat. It's going to come out of HR. You're going to have to go down and talk to HR. 
because they've got to sign off on this. I'm like, oh, geez, you know, so how many other hoops? So, so I went and met this lovely uh, lady, uh, Alison Day, and, and um, she said, oh, what else could you do for us? And I said, well, I'm actually full-time employed at Suncorp. You know, this conference is on a Saturday. I'm doing it my own time. And she said, oh, we don't care. She said, we train people at 3 o'clock in the morning because that's when their shift starts. You know, we run a 24-7 operation. And she said, oh, could you do something on, you know, creative thinking? And I thought, oh, yeah, I could do that. I've read De Bono's book, you know, on, you know, critical thinking and, and you know, and um, and then I, I come back to my wife. I said, I really, you know, maybe I can do this. Maybe I, you know, what's the worst thing to happen? I'll get a real job. So if I quit my job at Suncorp as a trainer, what, what would be the worst thing to happen? And I just thought I was earning 55000 with the company card back, you know, 26 years ago. And I thought, I, you know, all I've got to do is just replace that to start with. And um, and so that's how it all started. And, um, you know, first year I I um, I actually replaced my, my salary and my wife's salary uh, and we've worked together ever since, you know, side by side. So, um, yeah, so that, that's the that's the story. And as you said, you know, five best-selling books published in 12 different languages, spoken in 33 countries, 1.6 million people globally. You know, who'd ever thought that a noxious weed inspector that, you know, didn't finish year 12 uh, had the ability to, to stand up and, and touch so many people's lives in a positive way? <laughs> Yeah, not in a Jeffrey Epstein way. No, um, exactly. It, you've you, you've given hope anyway already because I never finished high school either. Uh, I never went to university, uh, but I, I feel that through the gift of adversity that I've been sort of propelled into this direction. And it's only a relatively recent thing, as you know, Keith, that in the last eighteen months that I finally figured out my reason on this planet. And I, you know, clearly you are doing that. And you you t- you touch on this a lot in your content. And you talk about when you're able to do something that lights your soul on fire. You just you're so much better at it. Are you able to expand upon that a little bit for us? Yeah, I, I, I think you know when you get really clear. You know, one of the quotes I used in my book that I created was, you know, when the why becomes clear, the how becomes easy. And and I think for a lot of people, finding your Purpose in life it is not an easy question. You have to you have to be committed to sit on a rock for a little bit and think about. It. Now, sometimes people's purpose comes to them from a like out of left field. Sometimes people, you know, are born into a purpose. Sometimes people, you know, wander the planet for. You know, for me, it was probably you know thirty plus years before you what say found out what you're supposed to do with. And I think in some cases, you know, it's it's not always that obvious, and it evolves and changes. Um, but as you, you know, as you find, you know, what what's important, what matters and what's going to make a difference to you, um, my belief is, you know, if you go and pursue those things, the, the money will come, the joy will come, the happiness will come, the, the ability to make a difference in people's lives um, comes as well. And, um, and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, life, life becomes a real joy um, and because, you know, you, you've found exactly what you should be doing. We had Bob Berg, the go-giver, on recently. And, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, in reading his book and, and executing 
some of the like, and there was a lot of things that I was already doing. But the book, uh, have you? I presume you've read the book or you've you've heard of it, Keith? Heard of? It. I haven't read it. Um, pretty short, easy, very easy read. Uh, puts everything very, very um, in a nice package for you to digest. I think anyone could take it and and run with it. Um, there's this extraordinary uh, gift that he shares about being able to to live a life that's purposeful and you're able to help people, but also to create wonderful, wonderful financial abundance as well as a result by creating value. And it's something that you talk a lot about and you you mentor. Um, by the sound, have mentored a lot of people and you mentor a lot of um, really successful speakers already. And the kind of money that you've been generating in your own business, you know, we're talking like seven plus figures yep. consistently. Yeah. Um, and it's always a, a, an unusual one to talk, you know, numbers, but it's something you've been very open. Um, what's so great about the combination of the two, do you think? Well, I think, you know, the it, it, as you go and pursue as you add value and and the word i use there is add unprecedented value when when you go above and beyond you know what people have paid you know and i think that's been my my goal always is to just add you know add unprecedented value and and from that you're rewarded you know really richly by not only not only through you know, money, but but also you know the other side of things. The the beautiful side of things is people refer you, people get you back. You know, you know, ninety six percent of my clients use me a second time. You know, thirty thirty two percent of my clients have used me every year for more than ten years. You know, like it's just there's there's all these statistics that um, and then that comes not from how do I you know how do I get my next job you know how do I stitch up that. How do I charge them more money? I I just think it's just keep on. If you add value to people, then people are always going to engage you, and they want to listen to you, or or be or have you as part of their, you know, their uh, go to people. And and that's been the philosophy I've had, you know, for the last twenty five years in my business. And I, and I say twenty five years; it just seems like yesterday. You know, like it's it's amazing. And 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 I and I really only feel like I'm. Said this a couple of years ago. I just feel like I'm getting started because I just know the real value of what I can provide to to a client, and more importantly, to the people uh, personally. If I can share one example, please. You know, one yeah. of my clients last year, obviously, I run <clears throat> I run leadership programs all over the world, and uh, one of my clients in the UK with COVID hitting. You know, this, this is this program. I was going backwards and forwards to the UK about four or five times a year. To work with sixty of this, um, sixty of their key leaders in a multi-billion-dollar global organisation, and um, and so going backwards and forwards, backwards and you know that was what the plan was. So I was in London, about you know almost this time, this time last year I was in London, and so I just finished the two days with this group of sixty, had them together, you know, set the framework up for the next, you know, what they needed to do, which was. You know, work on a project that was going to rev, you know, generate revenue, sell the whole of firm, et cetera, et cetera, leverage scalability, all that sort of stuff. And I have a formula and a model. And um, and then COVID hit, and we had a conversation. So okay, well, you know, it's too important a program. Let's just change it to virtual. And so we changed it to virtual. So in essence, it was a better program. And um, 
because there was more contact with me. I, you know, there was more check-ins, except more coaching, and and um, so we get to the end of the year. This six, this group of sixty, um, have uh, you know, in a you, know, you think in Australia we've had a pretty hard you know lockdowns and everything like that. So, I mean, nothing compared to the UK. You know, where they're in their second major lockdown now. They're, so these these people, are, you know, four months in lockdown and and still had to build this to work on these projects and a lot of them had to throw it in the air and start again, et cetera, et cetera. So get to the end of the year and that group of 60 generated 11.2 million USD of additional revenue in the 10 months of the program and this year those programs would uh, generate an additional uh, 15 million USD of revenue. And but those 60 leaders have changed. They have evolved. They've become better parents. They've become better, better colleagues, better leaders as part and parcel of it. And that's what, you know, if you can add unprecedented value, why wouldn't a client like that say, so, so, okay, when are we going to do it again? It's brilliant. And uh, just a thought that came into my mind is have you ever thought about charging a commission? <laughs> For I, I, you know what for for the fee, um, you know uh, five to ten x the the value of what they pay. Wow! And so so when you know so when people go, you know you're gonna ch- you're gonna charge that fee, yeah, yeah, because I know I can get a five to ten. How do you do? How do you do that? I've got a formula. I've got a process. You know, you put you give people permission, you put them in the right environment. You know, they're already at a senior level, so they must have talent. So you know, but you but you're right. You know, yeah, I I haven't had the, uh, you know, had, had the opportunity to say, well, we'll just do a commission because you know, at the end of the end of the day, it's about control. It's about how I can control that environment to generate, make sure we generate that. So yeah, yeah, it's open to a bit of manipulation uh, <laughs> potentially. Yeah. The, one of the things that struck me, you you Keith, I think you're about the seventy fifth. If, uh, podcast recording since April 2020, and wow. uh, I've been a busy boy, and I've, I've spoken. Yeah, I've made the most of lockdown, right? And I've spoken to sirs, uh, ladies. Uh, I I spoke to Princess Beatrice on the phone for about 15 seconds. Wrong <laughs> like, um, number? No, 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 no. She. <laughs> <laughs> when she realised, uh, but um, her father was uh, going through the. Um, it's funny you said Jeffrey Jeff Epstein. Her father was being accused. Oh of yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. At the time, um, I digress. But what it's taught me, Keith, is to become fearless in terms of reaching out and speaking yeah. to these people that I once put on a pedestal, yeah. and maybe rightly so because I just I wasn't able to compete. But now I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm really fearless, and I love engaging with people that are these leaders in their field, right? And I suppose my question to you is, do you have any advice or tips for anyone on how to engage with like C-suite leadership, like the CEOs of the world um, yeah. and get an effective response? Yeah, good good question. Um, well, firstly, what you've got to have is you've got to have a mindset of you've got to be doing it for the right purpose. Let's just let's say that's foundation. The, the second is what's the worst thing that can happen? The worst thing that can happen is no. Now, there's definitions of no. Is it no, not now? Is it no, never? Is it no, you know, get lost? You know, like 
Um, so so the, the thing I'd say there is, you know, tenacity wins every race. And so, you know, if it's um, – so firstly, no is okay because every no is one, one step close to a yes. The, the other piece I'd say around that is if you're going to reach anybody in the C-suite, um, I've always done it through a recommendation or referral. And so, you know, my, my clients are CEO of Toyota Australia or Lexus or, you know, I deal with CEOs, you know, all over the world. And, and that's been because of an introduction, you know, it hasn't been because they picked up my book somewhere on a, and read it on a plane and it's changed their life. I think I've had one client like that. Um, <laughs> it, it, I'm sure it, there's it, more. Um, well, what do I know of? Um, <laughs> it's, it's the ability that, Somebody sees you, for me in particular, somebody sees me on stage and I build a relationship with them. Um, and so one of my clients, that's exactly what happened. I was in Vietnam speaking at a conference and he was due to speak after me and um, and so, um, you know, as we're walking off, you know, as I'm walking off stage, he waited and he said, oh, I really enjoyed your presentation which is a lovely thing to say, but, it's you know, it's the things you say to most people anyway. Yeah, good presentation, all the best, that type of thing. And, yeah. and I listened to his presentation and I thought, oh, wow, he's a big, you know, he's a big wheel. And so at the end of it, I went and paid the favour and said, you know, that, and it was, it was a great presentation. And um, and I said, can I give you my card? And, and uh, he gave me his, and I said, oh, I'll see you based in Hong Kong. I said, I sometimes fly through Hong Kong to, you know, go to the UK. Uh, maybe we should catch up for a coffee. And he said oh, that'd be great. He said I, he said I'm not always in the UK, uh, not always in Hong Kong, but I travel around a fair bit. Anyway, he was the, you know, he he had um, he was a, the senior distribution manager for a, a company called AIA, which had 240,000 insurance agents um, throughout Asia, and and so him and I become clients and then friends, and um, you know I've done. I've done some conferences for them. They've made significant investments in me over the years, and all because it was, uh, you know, a handshake at the at the back of a room type of thing. So, um, you know, after a presentation, so you know, it's just it's always thin threads. But you've got to be, you know, you've got to have your antennas up. Um, so, um, but referrals are a good way to to you know get introduced and then follow up. You know, once again, add value, send them a book. You know, for me, I send a book, it's write a handwritten note, whatever it might be. And it's not only just a handwritten note, you, you package it in a way that that's, gives it a real emotive response when they open it, from what I understand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm fortunate that uh, my wife, Christine, you know, has, you know, just this, this beautiful ability to package everything up and, and you know, and it, nothing leaves here without you know without wrapping paper on it and a bow and a nice you know handwritten note from me and and um, you know because we know it, it we know it makes an impact, but it also people get it and they go oh you know and and of course it doesn't matter if it's it, if it's a little bit of a difference or a life changing difference the, the goal is always make a difference. It's really great, Keith, and. I- I just want to explore a little bit deeper what I was asking in terms of what it's like dealing with CEOs of major organisations. What are the types of things that that these people respond really well to, and maybe what they don't respond well to? Well, I don't think they respond well to people being, you know, pushy or trying to flog them something. 
um, you know, it, it always comes back to that law of reciprocity. You know, you want to give something before you expect anything in return. And ha- and for me, I, I have no expectation of them doing anything with me. Um, I, I, you know, there's hope um, that they'll do something with me, but my expectation is let's just add value. The other thing you've got to understand is they're, they're men and women just like you and me. You know, they've got... Um, challenges with people, they've got challenges in their relationship with their kids, you know, they're trying to be the best parent they can possibly be, they're trying to balance, you know, their their health and their fitness, their family, their organisation, their corporation, um, you know, and so, you know, if you, if you add value by asking, you know, great questions, um, they'll tell you the challenges they've got and from the challenges. Um, you can then do one or two things. Oh, I, I think I can help you, and this is the way I think I can help you, is, is you know what, that's really interesting. I know someone that can help you. And so the amount of times that I've had conversations where, oh, I, you know, they don't need me, they need somebody that's better educated or better, um, you know, that better, has better expertise um, and being open enough to, to really understand what your wheelhouse is, what your area of expertise is, is really powerful in dealing with those people. Um, and, and, and I think the, the final piece I'd say there is, is, you know, in dissecting this is, you know, being authentic, being, you know, being genuine or real authentic, but, but being absolutely honest with people. Yeah, I can, I know I can help. Well, no, you know what? I, I'm not the right person, I, but I'll, I'll know someone or I'll find someone. And, and you become a resource and you become this person that adds value. Um, and the other side is, is you know, stay in touch. You know, like one of my clients I met, um, let's see, um, so probably in about my second year of business, uh, I stayed in touch with them for 16 years before they did a job with me. Wow. And I'd say, you know, four times a year I'd reach out to them, I'd send them a book or, you know, write them a note or make a phone call to them or, you know, and it was all no and, you know, but it's no never. It was not no never. It was just no not now. No, that not this time. We're using internal people. We're using people out of the states. Where you know, and then I get a phone call from them. And um, in the seventeenth year, I get a phone call from them. And I said, "We'd like you speaking to conference. Fifteen hundred people. Yep, no worries at all. Uh, met a key decision maker there, an influencer. And I would have done, you know, in seven years, I would have done." 40, 42 events with them around the world. Um, they've reprinted my book in different languages around the world. They've, you know, they're probably, you know, they're well over, you know, probably 1, 1.1, 1.2 million in revenue from them. You know, it's like um, I'm glad I didn't give up in the 13th year. <laughs> Oh, man, how many analogies have you heard about people giving up with the gold, you know, just barely inches away? Uh, And uh, thank you for elaborating on that. It's the thing that I love about this wonderful platform that the podcast has given me uh, is there's credibility. And one thing I've, this talent that I've discovered I've got is this talent to connect people and you know, we had uh, Alan, Professor Alan Fells on the podcast uh, last year who, you know, for those who don't know, uh, was the former chairman of the ACCC, 
Yeah. Voted the third most powerful person in Australia when he was in that role. Yeah. And, you know, he, he was referred to me through a, a, a man, a friend of mine now that I met randomly at the South Melbourne market last June and inquired yeah. about him and his success. And, and it's so interesting how it comes about. And the thing that I love about it, Keith, is that I was recently interviewed a guy, doc, uh, Dr. Chris Palmer, who's an adjunct professor of, of, uh, at the Harvard Medical School in Psychiatry, who's oh, treating, wow. yeah, who's treating bipolar and schizophrenia with ketogenic diets and, wow. and is having a one-third full remission rate and another one-third of significant reduction and one-third no, no, you know, no noticeable difference, but they're only mm. in the interim studies. Now, this is common knowledge, so I'm happy to share this, but Professor Alan Fells has a, an, an adult daughter who's 49 years of age who's suffered from bipolar and schizophrenia since she was a young woman. Now, yeah. I've just got a meeting to sit down with Alan because he's, you know, because of lockdown to sit down and I'm going to play him a recorded message that was recorded offline from Dr. Chris. And I don't know what's going to happen with that, but like, Oh, the other thing I forgot to mention, Alan Fells is the chairman of the Royal Commission into Mental Health in Australia. That's probably a pretty oh, important wow. point. So, yeah, like this is this uh, this go-giver mentality that I was talking about with yeah, Bob yeah. Berg's book, you know, uh, and that's that's one of a number of examples of just this is the stuff I love doing. I just love being the, the communicator, like plugging in the old school. Yeah, thin, thin threats. It's always about thin threats, but. You know, people just uh, are not, you know, they don't hang in there long enough to to go through the, uh, you know, the little bit of uncomfortableness or whatever it might be. You would have probably been uncomfortable in, in contacting lots of people to be on this podcast. But you go through it and, and all of a sudden, you know, lo and behold, oh, yeah, I'll do that. Or, yeah, I'll do that. Oh, you, oh you've had you've had that person. Yeah, I've heard you've had that person on, on the podcast. You know, and, and all of a sudden it's, it's, you know, you build momentum. And and that's you know compliments to you for for what's saying being this person who wants to give back and and there's this beautiful you know the the more you give the more you get the more you know you don't give to get you give without any expectation and in the process you know um, beautiful things come from all different angles that you were never expected to happen. Yeah, that's exactly it. I. Uh... It's kind of selfish. I've, I've spoken about this a little bit. I feel like it's almost a selfish uh, act because you do derive so much from it from a fulfillment point of view, but it's not because it's like everyone walks away winning. And I, um, yeah. that's something that lights me on fire, you know. Um, yeah. You are a goal-setting machine and famously quoted as saying that smart goals don't work. Why is that? <laughs> because they have no emotional connection. You know, 38 years ago, a couple of water engineers, you know, um, wrote down this whole process of smart goals, specific, measurable, obtainable, realistic, tangible. But what I can tell you is you and I are emotional creatures. We can experience 135 different emotions. 64 of them are positive. The rest are all negative. And, and so if you don't have an emotional connection to the goal, you'll never be truly committed, compelled, or connected to it. And you have to be committed, compelled, and connected if you're going to do the uncomfortable, the inconvenient, and the unknown. And so um, what I say about SMART goals is they're dumb. 
because they need to be smarter. And that's the emotional connection and making sure that you reward yourself along the way. And so, so the formula I've created is called goal drivers. And there are eight um, goal drivers that all of us can experience. And of those eight, once you tap into what that goal driver is, um, you are then you, you then have the emotional connection. And from that emotional connection, you can then work out, you know, the emotional connection is the why. The mental connection is the what. The physical connection is the how. So feel, think, do, heart, head, hands, why, what, how. And and that's why, you know, smart goals are, you know, I think, uh, you know, a, a set from a very um, logical point of view. But for some people, you know, goals are not logical. Um, the amount of people that have achieved things that people said that you can't do it um, is, you know, phenomenal um, and has always been, you know, one of those great, truly great inspirational stories. It's so interesting that you say that because <laughs> I can't tell you how many of those smart golf forms I've filled out and thought, this is a load of codswaller. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, you know, has it served a purpose? A hundred percent has. Because... You know, I think it's only now in the last, you know, 10 years or so that we're happy to talk about our emotions. And, you know, of those of those eight goal drivers, what I can tell you is people want to feel these eight, you know, one of these eight. One of these eight is going gonna, is gonna to get them to the uncomfortable, the inconvenient and the unknown. And so, you know, people want to feel successful. What does that mean? That They want um, status. They want uh, prestige. They want accomplishment. Uh, people want to feel purposeful. What does that mean? Um, a bigger reason why they want to achieve something because there is a legacy or there is a bigger reason that's beyond them that's outside of them that will live on after them people want to feel inspired they want a goal that will energize them that as they do it that it it gives them more juice Um, people want to feel happy which in essence um, love and joy people want to feel organized which is all about control people want to feel respected which is the outside world or peers or other people um, seeing them succeed and that fuels their fire. Uh, people want to feel confident. They want to be able to walk into a room or walk into an environment and know that I have this. And then, of course, people want to feel relaxed, which means it wants to be. They want to be able to achieve effortlessly. And so, once you identify which one of those eight is your driver, I'm just about to finish off on a meeting today. Finish off a diagnostic tool that will help people work out exactly what their driver is. Then you go, if that's how I want to feel, so let's start with the feeling first. If that's how I want to feel, then what's the goal I need to achieve to feel that? And that's a far better way to set goals and it's a far better way to be committed, compelled and connected to Would you humour me with some role play on a goal that I have? And I'm, I'm keen for you to pick it apart um, or critique or compliment if, as, you, as you see fit. It came about about a year and a bit ago, and the, the the goal is to become the most influential speaker on the planet. It's that simple. And the reason I want to create the influence is I want to be able to impact as many lives positively as I can. It's that simple. Sure. Yep. Is there any work okay. that could be done on that goal? Yeah, yeah. So if we go through my um, nine-part goal driver formula, um, we can get you really clear on, on that. So let me ask you this question. Um, 
how would by achieving that goal, you know, so it's not it's it's you know pretty clear and specific. So um, let's so um, how would that make you feel by achieving that goal? By the way, it's got to be the aim. So successful, purposeful. Uh, it's got to uh, be you know which one inspired, happy, um, organized, respected, confident, uh, relaxed. Which one of those? Did you say fulfilled? Uh, fulfilled will fit into uh, purpose. Because that's probably the closest one, if you maybe. Okay. Pick. Okay. So, so, um, so the driver is purposeful. Um, so then you get really clear on the goal. So, what, what was, what's the goal you want to achieve? To become the most influential speaker on the planet, positively okay. so influential. I, so I, I just rephrase that a little bit to be recognised as the most influential, positive, uh, you know, a positive influential speaker on the planet. Gotcha. I build, okay. I build more around that through my speaking, my writings, my audio, my programs, my uh, contribution to society, community, whatever. So you have to you have to build around it a a vision in your mind that the reticular activating system that sits at the back of your head can hone in on. So it has to be crystal clear. With clarity comes confidence. With confidence comes certainty. With certainty comes consistency. So clarity is really important. So let's say that you've got, you know, you, you can just articulate this in such a, a, fine, a defined way. The next piece of the puzzle is you have to then work out what's going to be your amplified attitude. See, you have to go there mentally before you go there physically. And so this is about mindset. So what I say by amplified attitude is you have to be able to, you know, to not just, you know, people say, I'll oh, just have to be positive. I don't know what that means. I'm in this game. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it, it, it's like, oh, you know, what is No, 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 you have to pick a lane. So so here are some amplified attitudes. Um, courageous. So from the top of your head to the soles of your feet with every cell in your body, if you were courageous, how would you walk? How would you talk? How would you think? What would you say to yourself? What would you say to others? So it could be courageous it could be tenacious it could be limitless uh, it could be self-love it could be grateful uh, it could be um, empowered so you have to pick a mindset so of those six or anything else you want to think about what's the mindset you think you need to have to be able to achieve that goal to be able to feel that way well I, the first four that you read out that you spoke about were the, the language that I use all the time. And the other ones are in there and, and about, like the way that I walk has changed. The, mm. the the way that I hold my shoulders back is, you know, my physicality's changed throughout this, you know, this transformation over the last five years. Limitless is one of my favourite movies of all time, you know, and I feel like Bradley Cooper is in Limitless. Like that's... So, so Limitless is about two things. Limitless is about limitless opportunities, I create or I manifest or I bring into my life limitless opportunities. 
and I have limitless energy to take advantage of those opportunities. So limitless is a good. So, so we've now done three parts. Next piece of the puzzle is when do you want to achieve it by? So you sort of then go, okay, well, look, this, this is a 10-year goal, kids, a five-year goal. You know, so you start to put down some date around it. You know, so it'd be be specific. It's the first of January, you know, 2030, you know, whatever it might be. So you get really clear around the date. And then here is the real piece. This is about now you've got to identify five reasons why. So why is it so important for you to become the most influential person as a speaker in the world? Legacy. I feel like it's fulfilling my purpose, my destiny. It'll create wonderful abundance, which means I can choose to help as many people as I want. Um, that influence that I was talking about. Uh, and I suppose maybe from an ego point of view, the adoration of many. Maybe that one okay. has to go. So so now well, what I've given you is the, is the uh, amateur version of five reasons why. It's like the pro version. <laughs> I don't Would expect you like to give pro version <laughs> of five reasons why? Now there's. Yes, so I the would. Five, I'd be okay. honest. Yeah. Okay. So, so you, you know, so two things going to happen. One is that we're going to hear the real reason. Um, or two, you might shed a tear. So you okay with that? Bring it on, Keith. Okay. I'm ready for you. So the first the first reason was legacy. So tell me why do you want to leave a legacy? I honestly think it comes down to the fact that I don't really feel that there's been one left in, in my family of any note, of any positive note for a so long time. why do you want to be the first person in your family to leave a legacy? I honestly don't know. I, it's just something that I feel... I want to be the figurehead of this this change of uh, of direction in the family, and I, I maybe because I feel like I've been out, I've been instrumental in breaking a cycle of dysfunction in my family that I can do other better things. So why is it so important for you to break the cycle um, in your family? Because I don't want anyone else to go through the trauma and the dysfunction that myself and most of my other family have experienced. So why is it so important for you to be the living example of the opposite of what's happened in your family? I feel like I have a burden of responsibility now that I've acquired knowledge and that I need to share it with the world. And. Why is it so important for you? And the reason why I'm asking you why is I haven't quite heard it yet. And what I tend to find is I hear it in people's voice. And it's the digging and the peeling back of layers of either what we've said to ourselves or what we've said to others around, because most people will never ask you these questions. Most people say, you know, why do you want to do that? I want to leave a legacy. That's a great reason. You can do that. That's so important to leave a legacy. And that's where they leave it. But what we 
what you know what this process does when I coach people one on one is we we just get to the real core of it. And once we get to the real core, then, then you go, okay, that's the reason, because that will be the the reason that'll help you drive a little bit, you know, beyond uh, what it is. You know, your your goal is lofty. Your goal is is so important. Um, but the, the real key there is that if I can achieve that goal, if I can feel this way and achieve that goal on a regular basis, the the the, the goal of the goal of being the most influential speaker in the world, th- that will be the byproduct. Does this make sense so far? Yeah. It's 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 bringing it right back to here and, and making that difference. Uh, is all of a sudden. So we come back to that final why. Is so why is it so important to you to have this responsibility to leave this legacy and to be this living example for people around you and that are gonna come after you? The only the only answer I can really truly feel comfortable saying, I think, is that I I feel like I've been given this responsibility by a higher being, and I'm not I'm not religious, but I'm deeply spiritual, and I, you know, I, I've spent thirty five years of my forty years on this planet, you know, wandering in the in the mire, and. Mm. And I, if I'd been able to use that time, not that I have any regrets because I'm very grateful for how I've ended up, but if I was able to use that time by learning from people like me at a younger age, then the impact on the world would be more significant faster, I think. So you you start – we've got to a different place, haven't we, now? And this is the power of – of continuing to dig down a little bit, you know, and, and to, to you know, start to hear it and, and in essence start to talk yourself into it, to really con- to be the conscious convincer for yourself. That's what's so important to keep on asking that reason why because that will be when it gets tough or difficult or whatever, that will be your lighthouse. That will be the beacon on the horizon that gives you your true north to be able to move yourself forward. I don't feel like we've gotten to the root cause, though, have we? No, no, not yet. Not yet. What, how does I, that I haven't. So, so but what that what comes down to is right, you know, keep on asking the question, why is that? It, whatever you write down, keep on, why is that important? Why is that important? And you'll dig yourself, you know, down. I, I'm conscious of the time your podcast and I'm conscious that this isn't, you know, oh, wow, is he is he doing therapy with this guy? You know, like, <laughs> no, 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 this is but this is the the, the the importance, you know, of of getting really, really clear. You know, it's a huge goal. See, it's a different goal. It's a different goal if you say, well, I want to lose 10 kilos. Okay, why is it important for you to lose 10 kilos? Because I, you know, I, I want to feel good. Great. Why is it important for you to feel good? Oh, because um no, I, I'll have more energy. Why is it important for you to have more energy? Oh, I, I, I need, I need to have the energy for my family. Great. Why is it so important? You know, and all of a sudden, people go, "Oh, bingo!" You know, bingo, bango, bonga. Oh, that's the reason. It's not the ten kilos. You know, it's 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 this other thing that they just haven't, you know, quite dug, dug into. So, your post podcast project, 
or more commonly known as homework, is to keep on writing down the, you know, what, what what's the reason why? What's the reason why? What's the reason why? And, you know, why is that reason important? And, and dig down. And then, you know, not to leave not to leave the, you know, the loop undone. I said there was, you know, nine parts, you know, nine-part goal drive formula. So goal drive is one. Um, the goal, getting really clear around the goal is two. Um, three is the amplified attitude, limitless for you. Uh, five reasons why. Um, making sure that, um, uh, making sure, did we say date there before? Yeah, I think we said date there before. Um, you know, making sure then then what you need to do is you, hand on heart, yeah, you know, no BS. What, what are the three things in the next, you know, in the next 90 days I need to stop doing? What's the three things I need to start doing? Um, because no goal is going to come to you until you let go of something or, and create space for it to come into your life. Starve the distraction. Starve the distraction, feed your focus. And, of course, that then leads to, okay, so what are the three milestones? You know, so a big goal like that you want to break down into what you need to achieve this year. And so then, then what you say is, okay, what's the what's the thirty day milestone? What's the ninety day milestone? What's the six month milestone? And then what you do is you then break it down even further, and you go, what do I need to do specifically in the next thirty days? And then the final step of the goal driver process is, what's going to be my daily rituals? What what's going to be the the five out of seven, six out of seven, seven out of seven daily rituals that I do? to make me feel purposeful and we complete the loop because all I can control is all I can control right now is what I can do today. And what I do today helps me feel purposeful, then I've already mo- I'm already regenerating that sense uh, that uh, emotion on a daily basis which continues to propel me towards what's important, what matters, and what's going to make a difference to me and the people who mean the world to me. It's some heavy stuff, Keith, and I I can understand (laughs) why only 4% of people complete their goals. I think that's the number. Is that right? Yeah. 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 You know, 3% of people uh, think, you know, 3% of people make things happen. Uh, 10% of people think or expect things to happen. Um, 60% of people watch things happen and 27% of people don't know what happened. So you, <laughs> you don't want to be you don't want to be in that 27%. You know, like that's the I, I know I've been in that 27%. That's when I was a you know uneducated, <laughs> noxious weed inspector sleeping a couple of hours every day. You know, so Keith, uh, this has been extraordinary. Um, I'd love to lift the mood a little bit. I feel sure. like it was pretty intense for some people. I oh, know yeah, 100%. Sorry, everybody. I, I'm, you know, no, don't you apologize. asked the question. So I, Do not know. apologize. I think there's some brilliance in the, it, the whole thing's brilliant. It, you just turned everything that I thought I knew on my head, which I was kind of hoping was going to happen. But it, before we came on the show, and I've, I've had the privilege of interviewing some other amazing Hall of Fame speakers. You are a Nevin Award winner, which is the highest distinction in professional speaking in, in Australia. Yep. It's an extraordinary achievement. But I want to know, what's some of the coolest interactions that you've ever had with some of the names of speakers or motivational people that we would have heard of in our lifetimes? Oh, wow. You know, well, Alan Pease, you know, I, I I engaged Alan Pease to speak at a conference that I was running, a World Rotaract conference back in um, 1990. My God, it's so long ago. 
Uh, and you know, and Alan was an he he was an idol. You know, I'd seen him at all these sales congresses, and here he is, you know, speaking on a platform that I'd organised. And now these days, Alan's a mate of mine. You know, he you know, so he's this wonderful uh, you know friend of mine. And um, yeah, um, you know, look and. You know, it's funny. I, I I've been fortunate. I've listened to lots of great speakers, you know, around the world by you know sitting at the back of the room waiting to go on, or just when I've come off the stage. Uh, but there's probably some people that people don't know. You know, like there's a one of my great mentors is a guy called Jack Daly. Jack's you know 75, um, does a hundred presentations a year, and and he's been a great mentor for me uh, because he's me. You know, so 15 years from now. And so, uh, super sales guy, and and uh, just full of energy. You know, run a run, done a triathlon in every continent in the world. Done a uh, done a marathon in every state in the US. And um, and he he only took up swimming when he was in his fifties. So, you know, just amazing, inspirational, and you know. Great leader, um, yeah. You know, um, I, you know. I'm just trying to think of other speakers that I've met. You know, met around the place. I, I really, I, I never actually met this guy uh, personally, but there was a speaker at the first NSA convention I went to in the states uh, when I first got started, and was a guy called Lou Holtz, and he was the coach of the Notre Dame football side. And um, talk about you know, like you know, people making a difference in your life. I reckon I would have listened to that recording. I bought that recording of his presentation. I reckon I would have listened to that recording, I don't know, 500 times. <laughs> 500 times? Yeah. I had it on a, so had it on a cassette it. player. It was a cassette. <laughs> then I transferred it to a, 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 a CD. Now it's, you know, in my iTunes library. And, and you know, I'd listen to that. You know, these days even, I mean, that's 24 years ago, 25 years ago, um, I, you know, I'd listen to that a couple of times a year, just amazing, you know, so, yeah. And I, I thought I listened to tapes. Uh, I love Zig Ziglar. He's one of my favourite, him and Les oh, yeah. Brown. But uh. yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, just amazing some of the speakers that you get a chance to to meet on some of those really big stages, you know, I spoke, I've spoken twice MDRT main platform and, and so, you know, that platform's had, you know, US presidents and Nobel Prize, you know, um, Nobel Prize winners and uh, gold medal Olympians, Mark Spitz and, pe- you know, people like that and, you know, here I am, you know, I'm sort of sharing the green room with some of those people. <laughs> you sort of go, whoa. Not not so much the US presidents. They sort of tend to come in with the Secret Service and stuff like that. <laughs> That's not me. I have no entourage. Keep an eye on that guy. He's a noxious weed guy. <laughs> That's right. What's he selling? What's he selling? You can find everything that you need to know about Keith Abraham at keithabraham.com. Thank you. What are you or dot .com? No, dot .com. There's .com. Have you got a direction if they do put in .com.au and it goes back to .com? Uh, maybe. No, I don't know. <laughs> that's above my pay grade. Uh, yeah, prob- probably. But, yeah, just put .com, you know. Keith we're, Abraham. We're, we're as in Laban's father out of the Bible, Abraham. Very close there to him. No relation. Do you want to finish on anything else, Keith, before we wrap this bad boy up? 
Well, you know, I, I look, firstly, compliments to you for, you know, following your heart. Um, nothing but good can come from when people have a purpose, um, take permission, not from others but from themselves and um, and follow their heart to pursue their passion. So compliments to you. Um, I, You know, look, I, I would... The, the, the probably the key message I'd say to people is that, you know, dream big dreams. You know, you know, think bigger, be braver, uh, be bolder, and you'll become better. And and in coming better, you know, who knows what you can achieve. But you know, just don't be limited by other people's expectations or interpretations of what you should or could do and and you know and, and if you follow that message that pathway you know who knows where you'll be like, you'll be in a hell of a lot better space um, and a hell of a lot happier than um, than you may have been in the past ladies and gentlemen mr keith abraham oh you're too kind thank you buddy for the opportunity it's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available and not only just bring them on but to develop relationships with them that build into know like and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire you'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience go to podcastingheroes.com it's p-o-d-c-a-s-t-i-n-g-h-e-r-o-e-s.com